Welcome to Forward, the podcast of the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. You are now entering a spiz-free zone. No unicorns, no rainbows, no chiropractic fairy tales, just progressive talk for progressive chiropractors. So buckle up and get ready. We're moving the profession forward. And now, your host, Dr. Bobby Maybe. Welcome, everybody, to Forward, the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bobby Maybe. Um, before we get started, I want to remind everybody that Forward KC is coming soon. We are, uh, we've eclipsed the two-month mark. We've got less than two months to go before the event. So if you don't have a ticket yet, you need to hurry up. Uh, forwardthinkingchiro.com is the website for all the information and all the speakers. Uh, continuing education credits are definitely available. We're going to be covering business, marketing, uh, rehabilitation, assessments, uh, business items like documentation and Medicare, uh, radiography with uh, our last podcast guest, Cliff Tao, the greatest DAC bar that's ever lived. And uh, basically, we're going to put all these little pieces together and coalesce them into one thing that the young chiropractor can take home and say, I've got a complete package. Uh, and then uh, for the middle to older Cairo, they can come and get reinvigorated, meet some of these new chiropractors and get reignited, and then go back to their offices and dominate even further. Um, speaking of domination, a, a very important part of dominating your life and chiropractic practice is to get a grip on financial stuff. <laughs> and the biggest financial uh, weight around your ankle uh, especially for the youngest chiropractors coming out now, which it blows my mind how much student loans uh, debt you have, is uh, is the student loan thing. I don't know if you want to call it a, a bad thing or a good thing. I guess it depends on how you play the game. But I have Travis Hornsby here from Student Loan Planner, and he's going to talk about student loans. Hey, uh, Travis, I um, I don't even know you. <laughs> Uh, I, I think I've saved your article about how uh, chiros are sort of uh, victims in this system more than other professions, but I haven't read it yet. But when somebody came on and said, I want to talk student loans, I said, let's do it right now. Let's go. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a huge problem. Like just to give you a, uh, an idea, the average debt of the uh, DC clients that I've got it's about two hundred and forty-five thousand. Oh, 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 and we can cuss on this podcast. Like, holy shit, that's a lot of money. Yeah, it is. And you know, the average doctor is probably making, you know, starting maybe like forty to sixty. And yeah. if you do pretty well, uh, and you own your own practice, and you know, you're just kind of in that top like third. You, maybe you're making like eighty or something if you've got your own practice. But maybe on average, maybe like sixty to seventy. So. Um, you know, and that's if you're doing pretty well, right? I mean, that's not even talking about some of the situations where people are kind of, you know, in despair, making, you know, 35K working as an associate, you know, in some, you know, random clinic in the South, because that's all they can get, you know, I mean, just really yeah. stands the gamut. It's, um, it's Pareto's principle and you can't ignore it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And some of the money's going through 20, 20% of the people. Yeah. And, and for whatever reason, I, I've, I've seen it with chiropractic that, the people who are killing it are doing pretty well. Like the top one to 5% of the profession seem to be, you know, handling things okay and they're making great money and they're doing, doing all the right things. But they're the majority of the profession I'd say is, is really struggling um, because you can't afford to pay for, uh, you know, chiropractic education unless you're rich. Right. <laughs> and most people by definition aren't rich. Well, the education itself, I mean, you know, all you really have to do is have a pulse and a, a decent GPA and they're going to sign you out some loans, you know, that, that's yeah. part of the problem. There isn't really a, beyond that, there really isn't any distinguishing factors that say, you know, would, would say you're probably not a good candidate for a student loan, that that's just not how the system works. Yeah. I mean, to, to give the, the older doctors just a little bit of history on this, how this all happened, right? Because, you know, some of the folks that maybe you graduated with would have had smaller balances than that. Um, and right. so what, what happened is in 2006, this thing called the grad plus loan program got passed. And what that did is give graduate schools a blank check because they could literally write any number on the page that they want to and get loans for that for anyone. So, 
there's no reason to limit the cost of your education if you can borrow an unlimited sum per pupil, right? Right. And no, totally. so what we saw across the board, and this isn't just chiropractic, but this is everything. The prices on tuition for graduate programs skyrocketed when this happened. And when they took away the cap, they realized we're going to have a massive default problem unless we have some sort of, you know, ability to pay based off of your income, right? Because it'd be pretty embarrassing to have, you know, 80% default rates on student debt. So what they did in 2007 is they passed income-based repayment. And then they had some progressive changes that lowered the percentage of your income that you had to pay in 2011, 2015 uh, with some new repayment programs. So what you've had is just, you know, no caps on borrowing, you know, schools that in chiropractic are typically not affiliated with, you know, public universities that, you know, would have an incentive to charge a reasonable price for the education. Typically not. They're not. None of them are. Yeah. And some of them are <laughs> super sketchy, right? I mean, right. you know, I mean, it just, it really kind of ranges the gamut, but uh, so, so now you've got no incentive to keep the costs down and you have the ability to have doctors pay based off of their income where they're maybe paying like three, $400 a month but they have this massive sum of debt next to their name. And so you've kind of created a crisis out of this terrible system that, you know, was designed without a lot of thought in, in my view. And, you know, the student loans during that time went from about 300 billion back then to now it's 1.5 trillion. So it's quintupled and, oh, you know, a little more than a decade. Yeah. That was right after I graduated. So yeah, I, dodged I, the bullet. I did because I'd say my student loans also are high. I mean, anyone at any point is going to say that their loans are high, yeah. but not, I mean, high, but manageable, you know, like I think we, I walked out and I also had um, the GI bill as well, which helped pay for our undergrad education and a little bit of the first year of chiropractic school. So I'm not even, I mean, I, I barely made it into the six figures. And you think if, if I went to school two years later, I would be in for like a quarter of a million bucks. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I don't want to minimize hundred K, right? I mean, cause hundred right. K it's like, oh man, I could still buy some three, you know, three entry level Mercedes for that, you know? Yeah, no, that's uh, if you want to, if you're paying interest only, that's what, I mean, we had great rates. So, so my rate's 3%. Yeah. Um, that's still for interest only. It's probably like 700 bucks a month. Yeah. Somewhere around there. And you can buy a lot of there. stuff. That's a lot of food, you know? Yeah. That's a lot of like whole goods and all that's, these things that were complaining that the economy is stuttering on, like washing machines and yeah, refrigerators yeah, that's, and cars. <laughs> that's that's a lot of craft beers at your uh, convention in Kansas City, right? Yeah, you know. <clears throat> like I've I've had to live an adult life of PBR. I can't have the fancy stuff. <laughs> you know, no McMansions, no McMansions, none of that. You just got to learn to live a practical life. Yeah. I mean the, the McMansion thing, I mean, it's uh, the, the two biggest problems that I see with, with chiropractic doctors in terms of things that will wreck your finances or, or housing and vehicles. Um, Probably the vehicle bigger than anything, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because like if, you know, no bank's going to preview for a mortgage, um, you know, probably more than three and a half times your income. So you're, you're not going to get qualified for a McMansion you know, if you're making 60,000 a year. So that's, you know, that's not a super big worry, so to speak, but the, right. uh, but yeah, the vehicle, I mean, right now with the way they're handing out car loans, like they'll lend to anybody who has a pulse too with that, you know, so they'll, you know, give you a $400 a month, you know, car lease or something. And, uh, and then, you know, you're underwater the moment you drive it off the lot. So that's a big problem that I see with, with doctors. I would definitely suggest that they drive a, you know, in the first year of practice, drive something really cheap, like two to 5,000 that you pay cash for and preferably keep that car. And if you're taking long distance trips, just, you know, go to, go to enterprise and rent a vehicle, you know, yeah. and then you save a lot of money that way. Yeah. That will, so I'll, I'll probably get into some of that stuff. I mean, that's, we've got to talk general finance as well because um, student loans are going to fall into that general finance category at some rate. But yeah. um, for the listeners out there, let them know a little bit of the story here. Like why should any of these fools listen to you? So um, our firm student loan planner that I founded about a year and a half ago, we've advised more student debt than anybody in the country. I think now um, currently we have clients that we made plans for, for about um, a quarter billion uh, with a B in student loans. So 250 million uh, is what we've consulted on for folks in about 18 months. 
at this rate, that's what four, (laughs) like four clients. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was four Kairos and one orthodontist, you know, (laughs) that's like, yeah, that's 10 billion right there alone. Yeah, no, but, but about, about a thousand, I mean, about 900 clients. uh, Yeah. That math is simple. Yeah. That's a lot of, that's a lot of business. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, and so, you know, 280 K approximate average balance and you know, what kind of people have we spoken with? I mean, chiropractors have been a large portion of it. We've talked to a lot of different professions. And so we see, you know, across the spectrum, we, we know how different, you know, professions line up and, you know, the different challenges that each one's face and they're all kind of unique. Um, although there's groupings like, you know, you could probably relate, you know, chiropractors to, to veterinarians and, um, you know, perhaps some, uh, you know, physical therapists or something, something like that, those kind of professions in terms of the challenges that you face. But, right. uh, but yeah, in terms of why you'd listen to us, we've consulted on more debt than anyone else. And then, um, you know, I think we are able to save people a lot of money by just doing a math based approach to what they're doing. So we, we have a calculator, um, that we actually give away for free, um, on studentlandplanner.com and it just models all the different options. And uh, most people are making repayment mistakes because it's kind of a complex thing. You know, you right. owe 250K and some, uh, you know, some servicer says sign up for something and you do and you don't know about all your options and you don't know about all the different, you know, c- complexities that go into it. And uh, usually people make mistakes when they're, they're not an expert in something where, you know, there's a ton of money under their name. And um, so that's, you know, I think we've, we've, help people save some money, which, which I'm proud of, um, just because it's kind of a complex scenario. I, I kind of relate it to taxes. You know, if you've got a complex tax situation, then, you know, a CPA probably adds a lot of value. And if, if, you, if yeah. it's simple, then, you know, you, the CPA probably doesn't add very much. Value. <clears throat> what, uh, what commonalities do you sort of see across the board? Like, are there, are there commonalities of mistakes that are being made? Or are there commonalities of behaviors that you see in people who are, are truly underwater? Well, um, they're, they're all kind of interrelated, but, but the, the one thing that I would say for your listeners is, um, there's a lot of folks on plans besides, um, pay as you earn and revised pay as you earn the, the plans besides those two are typically, uh, pretty expensive and unnecessary to be on. So I've seen a lot of cases like chiropractors really are targeted by, by, a lot of like charlatans, like outside the profession, you know, that I've seen. And so I had one group of doctors that uh, was advised to be on something called the, the income contingent repayment plan, which is a plan where you pay 20% of your income towards your student loans, right? And they were all advised <laughs> by the same fly by night law office in South Florida that had, you know, Florida, huh? You don't say. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's Florida, always every, huh? every, every good scam starts in South Florida, right? <laughs> right. Um, but, uh, but they were charging them a lot of money to put them on this plan and they were paying 20% of their income and they were going for loan forgiveness. And, you know, they basically just had like, uh, you know, paralegals just like kind of robo signing all these different things. And I just pointed out, like, if you're going for forgiveness, like why would you be paying 20% of your income when there's a plan where you could pay 10% of your income? And yeah, yeah. that was a pretty compelling argument. So especially you know, for someone making $40,000 a year. Yeah. Right, exactly. So, you know, I kind of showed them how like the, the place just didn't know what they were doing. Um, so that's one mistake is like being on an inefficient repayment program. I'd say another mistake is chiropractors who like, you know, they desperately want to pay the debt off, but you have to ask yourself, is it, is it practical? Is it something that I'm going to be able to do? So you just have to run the math and say, okay, if I have 250,000 of chiropractic loans, I have to pay 2,500 a month to pay this thing off in 10 years. And if, if I'm going to do that, like, is that possible? Like, could I buy a house or, you know, have a normal life with my family and take a vacation every now and then, you know, and pay 2,500 a month for 10 years. And if the answer is no, then it's probably not like, you know, realistic for you to go for something besides one of the loan forgiveness strategies. But what I often see people do is like, they'll pay the 400 a month that they have to pay, but then they'll make a what I call like a desperation payment of like an extra 500 bucks or something. Yeah. And you know, if you have loans that are way, way higher than your income, that does nothing to help your situation. You're kind of like throwing money away, honestly. Exactly. Exactly. Um, it, it puts no dent in anything. Yeah. But if you owe 50,000 cause you had a generous uncle or something and you make 60, 
and your 50,000 of loans is at a, you know, 7%, then, you know, then you would want to refinance that with the private bank and pay it off. So it's, you know, the, the mistakes I see if I had to kind of put them into a high level would be, um, you know, putting payments on the loans in a very inefficient way. I'll put that under a big category. Um, I guess another one that I didn't mention was uh, the, the tax bomb, you know, associated with forgiveness for chiropractors. Yeah. So one, one thing that I've seen in the profession is there's some various groups that, you know, will quote unquote, you know, show you how to qualify for, you know, public service loan forgiveness, you know, by setting up a, a nonprofit chiro clinic. Right. Um, you know, and I'm very skeptical of that. You know, the, the test for you being a not-for-profit is, is <laughs> it's more stringent than just saying, hey, look, I just opened a not-for-profit and I'm running right. a private practice in every way except the name of the tax filing that I did. Well, yeah. that sort of happened when I started this forward-thinking chiropractic alliance was because uh, it is altruistic in, in nature. You know, we were trying to guide and help young chiropractors and chiropractors that have been lost along the way. And a, a group, I, I don't know, a group or a certain contingent of Kairos were very interested in what I had going on and the altruism of it. And then I come around to find that what they really wanted me to do was start a nonprofit and hopefully employ them so they can get their loans forgiven. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and I didn't have the heart to tell them they were completely mistaken in how they thought that worked. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's something that, you know, it's, it's just more complicated than just saying, Hey, look, we've got a not-for-profit, right? Um, the, oh, and this absolutely. is, and this is one of the things that I hit on in that article about why chiropractors are treated unfairly because, you know, if you're going to have a massive subsidy program for student loans, then you kind of want it to, you know, help people in a very easy to understand way. But what they did is they created this program where if you work for a not-for-profit, you only have to pay your loans for 10 years. And then at the end of the 10 years, any balance that's left over gets wiped off the books tax-free. So it's, an, it's a great program, you know, but here's the, the structural inequity. So chiropractors are mostly employed at small offices, right? For-profit, private practices. You know, yep. they're for-profit. They don't make a ton of money in a lot of cases, but they're technically for-profit. So they don't qualify. But most physicians are employed by hospital systems now. Most hospital systems, even though they're very much for profit, are technically on the books as not for profit institutions, right? Right. So you have this situation where physicians, technically, most of them qualify for this program, and you know, chiropractors as a whole do not, and yet they owe similar debt balances. But a physician's going to make you know three or four times a lot of times what a chiropractor might make once they're done with their training. You know, and and so you've got this massive um, inequality that was created by this program, and then it's it's hilarious. Like whenever I see this program in the news, because they always talk about how this program was made for like police and firefighters and teachers and things like that, and it's laughable because almost, yeah, it's almost never yeah, it's not at all for that. Like all the senators that talk about how we can't you know let our you know teachers and firefighters down and everything. It's a, it's a joke. I mean, like I, I listen, like my thought process on this is if somebody qualifies for something, you know, I'm completely agnostic to whether or not it's something that is helpful as a policy thing. Like I'm going right. to try to make sure that somebody gets, you know, every dollar that they can, you know, right. cause you know, if you're eligible for something and you don't take advantage of it, then your taxes are paying for it. So like, you know, that doesn't make sense. So like, I've got a lot of clients that are doing public service loan forgiveness in various fields. But it's just, it's just uh, you know, in terms of having discussions about how you set future policy, it's just blatantly unfair. But for, for chiropractors, what most people need to realize is that for chiropractors, you have to pay for 20 to 25 years. And then at the end of those 20 to 25 years, you have the balance forgiven. But under the current rules, yeah, the IRS but, considers uh -huh. that taxable income. Right. So yeah, you know, if you, not that it would ever happen like that, but if you didn't pay your 250,000 for 25 years, now you've got $250,000 of income that's taxed at the end. Yeah. And the reality is you can actually prepare for that. It might not sound possible, but if you save for something that's, you know, 20 to 25 years away, you know, you're paying 40% on something instead of a hundred percent on something. Right. So and don't, don't sit around and hope that the law changes. 
Yeah, that's what I tell people. So, you know, the 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 balance, you know, you maybe have to pay, I don't know, 80 to 100,000 in taxes. Well, 20 to 25 years, if you model that out, you can put away maybe three or 400 a month into an account, um, probably, you know, with Vanguard or some index fund provider or some low cost Uh mutual fund firm. And just put that in there for every month, you know, what, you know, auto auto debit from your bank account and everything. And uh, you'll wake up in 20 to 25 years and have money there. But, uh, but a lot of chiropractors are not doing that. So you're kind of uh, setting the profession up for this mass uh, apocalyptic scenario where, they're going to be completely dependent upon, you know, the mercy of whoever's in Congress at that time to offer some sort of relief to these tax bombs that are going to be owed. Well, that's what it's come down to now. I mean, I operate this large group of chiropractors, and if the student loan conversation does come up, the conversations never come up around strategies to win at the game. The conversations that always come up are, uh, we need someone to forgive this. We need some someone to write a new law, you know, hopefully the new president that's elected will just kind of write all this stuff off. It was a big mistake. It's like, that's not your, that's not, that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it might, it could, I suppose, but the apocalypse that would, that would initiate that sort of response would be so huge. You're going to suffer anyways. Right. And you know, if, if you're making even, okay, if you're making 60 to 70 K, so you're above the median household income in America, you know, as a, as an individual. So if, if you're making that as a chiropractor, you know, you might not feel like you're making enough relative to your education, relative to your peers and friends that maybe, you know, are employed in different capacities, but you're still making a decent income. Right. And so this debt can be thought of as more of a tax than anything else where you're paying a percentage of your income every year rather than having to actually pay it off. And then, what you can do is actually set yourself up for a financial, uh, at least, you know, significant financial security because the, you know, if you put away this money to cover the tax bomb and then maybe you set up a retirement account, and put some money away, maybe you've got a little bit extra. So you put some of that into, you know, savings as well. Um, then you could have potentially, you know, a million bucks by the time you're ready to retire or even 2 million. Um, you've, you've already said a word like at least 10 times now that not just the, our, our fellow chiropractors, but most of the people in our society right now aren't doing, which is putting money away. There just isn't, there, there aren't a lot of people that are actually saving money. You know, yeah, and, and that's and the key. That is, that is probably the key to all of this is that you've got to, you've got to plan ahead and, and save to some degree. And, and when I survey people, that's just not happening. Yeah, I mean, the the attitude of the government's going to figure something out and we're going to get rescued, I mean, that's sort of a, a defeatist attitude, I think, because if if it does work out that way, the way it would happen would be that you're going to owe these big taxes, you're going to have nothing saved, you're going to have nothing in your retirement, maybe you'll have a little bit of home equity. And so at the end of the 20 or 25 years- But these guys come, won't because they can't afford to buy a house. Yeah, well, so maybe <laughs> they have nothing. And then, you know, they look at your balance sheet and, and there is technically a rule in the book's that the IRS does right now where, you know, if you're underwater from a net worth perspective, you know, they'll kind of just write it right off the tax debt if you're just totally, you know, broke. But the problem with that thinking is like in 20, 25 years, do you really want to be totally broke? You know, that's right. not a, that's not a win. I mean, that's, yeah, that's something where you're working into your seventies, you know, doing a really physical profession and it doesn't have to be that way. And so that's, I guess, my, my main message to the clients and, and readers that I work with and the chiropractic profession is just because you did get screwed over in the student loan rules and it is unfair what happened to you, you know, you need to, you can, you can move on to that next level of thinking of, you know, okay, how can I be financially successful with my family now? And there's actually a lot of ways that you can be. Yeah. Thank you for that message. Cause that's, that's where I'm coming from. Um, more of a, a libertarian attitude. It's not like you don't become a victim of your circumstance. You find a way to, to overcome that circumstance. And I think as, as a general theme, that's what I would want the forward thinking chiropractic Alliance to be is uh, uh, people who can overcome circumstances versus hoping that the uh, government or somebody else can save them from their circumstances. Yeah. I mean, and let me uh, give kind of an idea of how somebody might, you know, be able to to handle this. So the the first step coming out of school is to get an emergency fund in place. 
So you need, I would say at least 5,000 bucks. This is for anybody. You know, you want 5,000 bucks in the bank, you know, and no credit card debt. That's your first goal. I think that the, the second goal would be, you know, do you want to open your own practice? If so, then, you know, a bank is going to want to see substantial savings. They're going to want to see good evidence of good financial habits. They're going to want to see minimal required payments towards cars and houses. And so you want to maybe get 10K in the bank if you're going to open your own practice. And I would say that if you're in the point where you've got a chiropractic practice, then maybe you're building a little bit of equity. You know, you're building something rather than just sort of giving away your labor and not getting any asset back you, you, by paying down this practice loan. If you do it in a smart way, you're building a little bit of equity. Right. And then you can set up a retirement account. If you have your own practice, you can have a 401k. And there's some various places that you could do that with that don't have tons of fees. Like the, the typical person that's going to want to talk to a chiropractor um, because you're probably not going to have as much in a 401k plan as other uh, business types that would attract, you know, a more expensive, but like more in, you know, the advisor that acts in your best interest kind of a person. So you want right. to avoid like the insurance salesman type of people. So right. you can, you can set a 401k up with, you know, Vanguard or Fidelity or Schwab and, and pay minimal fees and have good investment options. And then you, maybe you're putting away, you know, 10,000 a year for your retirement, you know, and you get to deduct that. Um, and maybe you're putting away that $500 a month for the tax bomb uh, to cover the tax bomb for your student loans. You're picking the plan that puts your payments on the minimum level possible. So that's just, you know, a couple of the, the big picture ways that somebody could, could be successful financially as a chiropractor. Cause then in 20, to 25 years, you've got the tax bomb covered. You've right. got the loans covered. You have paid off your practice loan and you own your practice. And then you've got, you know, probably 500,000, you know, you're in retirement account. And then if you put anything else away, maybe you've got, you know, a couple hundred thousand somewhere else. And then you're in one of these top 10, top 5% of chiropractors financially. Uh, and that's something that anybody can achieve, even if you're making a median level income. Absolutely. It's, um, it's sort of like uh, if you if you had to popularize this game plan, it'd be like get some get some Dave Ramsey in your life first, so you can understand some financial discipline and get a a safety net underneath you and get out of get out of all. You're probably gonna have to get out of all the other debts you have before you would ever get out of student loan debt, but definitely shouldn't be carrying around credit cards and vehicle debt and things like that. And then the next level up is now you got to read Millionaire Next Door and you got to understand what the average millionaire does to become a millionaire. Uh, and that book lays it out pretty darn well that millionaires are um, conservative <laughs> in nature. They plan ahead and uh, they, they make moves that are, are uh, uh, multiple steps ahead of just the current, the current phase uh, of thinking. I love that book. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, it, it blows your mind. Okay. So what is the average millionaire? They, they drive pre-owned vehicles, you know, and they pay cash for them and they don't and, care about their vehicle. But what, you know, I had, I'd had plenty of friends that when they're getting out of school, it's like, you know, I, I deserve a BMW. I'm a doctor now. <laughs> you didn't deserve shit. Shut up. Yeah. Get into a Hyundai and drive yourself to work and do the work, you know? And, um, some some decent advice, which I don't think it applies anymore, that we were getting in, in chiropractic school. And trust me, uh, you should find a way to sit in on a business class in, in chiropractic college. Um, it Probably for you, it would be better than going to the ha-ha hut and watching a stand-up comedian. <laughs> it is bad stuff. But um, one of the pieces of advice that wasn't too bad, because like I said, at our point, uh, our interest rates are like 3% when, when we graduated. So the advice there was, you know, you got your 3% on your loan. Why not match that in, in back then it was like in, in the quote unquote stock market. Why don't you match that in the market and you're going to get a return of whatever, 10, 11 or 14%. And eventually it's going to eclipse, you know, you're going to eclipse your student loan and pay that off. And it was just such bad advice, you know? Yeah. But, but, but you're right. You got to prepare for the bomb that's coming, you know, and it costs you $4,000 to open up an index fund. So you at least got to get that $4,000 under your wing and then start socking away some money into an index fund, which is pretty, 
That would be Tony Robbins, Unshakable, that book. That's his advice, index fund, but read that book too. And yeah, then at least you, you, can, you can prepare for the future in ways that, that give you some peace of mind. That's one less thing. That's one rock out of your basket. Now you can put a different rock in the basket, the biggest rock, which is how do I actually succeed at practice? Yeah, and, and just to give you an idea of, of some of the stuff that I, that I hear kind of on the front lines of this. So I had a client who there, they had told me that you know, they'd been investing in Bitcoin. And so oh, yeah, their, uh, you know. their plan was they only had to put away you know, 5% of their salary um, you know, every year in Bitcoin because they'd been doing this for you know, a year or so. And so they were going to continue doing this for uh, three more years, they said. And at that point, the Bitcoin would have risen to a level where they could pay off all of their 250000 of student debt. And Right. No. Yeah. And I, I was kind of speechless. And well, like, Where uh, do you start with that conversation? Yeah, I just, uh, I just, I just don't know. And, and it makes sense why I think chiropractors, um, you know, can be targets, uh, so to speak. Of, of Oh, yeah. There's a guy going around now uh, who's doing seminars on cryptocurrency for chiropractors. Yeah, it's just a complete joke. Ridiculous. I mean, so, you know, if you if you win at that thing, you know, it's it's statistically it's exactly the same as just going to, you know, Vegas, except at least in Vegas, you know, the odds are, you know, at, you know, they're written you know, on slight, the table slightly against you <laughs> versus they're actually written on the game, you know. If you look on the side of the slot machine, they'll tell you your odds. Yeah, well, like I have a general rule like um that you know, I joke with my investment buddies like whenever you hear medical professionals getting into something, like that's the time to short it. <laughs> <laughs> um but but uh but yeah, so so just, you know, we can talk a little bit I guess about uh some of the financial folks or financial advisors that try to talk to chiropractors because I'm I'm not, you know, trying to be somebody's financial planner. I just want right. to help with their student debt. We'll go through like so the article you wrote uh, we touched on maybe one of the things or the ways that chiropractors get the short end of the stick, but what are some other ways you you saw? And it, it I, I probably imagine that the financial advisors that are involved in this was one of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll I'll think about some of the other ones. That just with the financial advisors, it's just you you want an advisor if you're going to work with one that has your best interests uh, at heart legally. So you you look for somebody that's on the fiduciary standard. Fiduciary, yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and basically all that means for listeners to know is just that they are required to try to act in your best interest uh, and and to do things that don't maximize their own compensation, but try to maximize your financial situation. Now tell us about fiduciaries. Is every fiduciary a legit fiduciary financial planner or are there some non-legit ones? I mean, they're... You know, like like any profession, just because you have a legal obligation to do something doesn't mean that they necessarily do a great job, right? right. It's not a guarantee that you're going to get a great advisor. All it's a guarantee for is that they're required to at least think about your money the way that you should want to think about your money. If that makes yep. sense. Yeah. So like they can get in a whole lot of trouble and be, you know, kicked out of the profession, licenses revoked, all those things if they ever break that. So they've got a huge incentive to try to act in your interests. Um, you know, lawyers typically have a fiduciary standard to their clients. So remember, like if you ever watch like a, you know, a law and order show and there's a, de- a defendant, a cr- you know, criminal defendant that you hate the guy's guts and the lawyer's representing them, you know, and, and they're trying to strike a deal that's in the best interest of their client. Well, that's because the lawyer has that legal obligation to do that, you know, to act in the best interest of the person. Right. It's kind of like, like that, where the, the goal is like to try to maximize your situation. And what, uh, what, the, what the issue is, is that if you don't have a ton of money, uh, oftentimes like the best financial planners will want to work with the high dollar people, right? Like, That's you know, right. if you, they can you, work with the person you, making you filled in the blank before I could say it. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. So they're going to work with that 300 K person a year versus the, the 60 K person a year. And it's just human nature to seek out the easy path to making a good living and, you know, charging a, a big amount. Cause you can charge that 300 K person a year. Maybe you can charge them 3000 a year, but the chiropractic doctor, you can't really get away with charging that much because it's a big percentage of their income. Yeah. So, and young, youngsters out there, fiduciaries work by charging a, a, a fee for their service. Right. You know, they right. don't charge, they're not selling you insurance and taking a percentage off the book. They're, they're charging you like I cost this much per hour or I cost this much to work with per year. Yeah. And, and the, what it scares a lot of young chiros away because it's a fee that they don't want to add. They don't want another fee in their life. Right. Well, exactly. And, and that's always the, the thing that 
that scares people. It's like, oh, it's such a big fee. You know, how's that, you know, how's that going to be worth it? And so what happens is the, the commission salesman brings an investment product or an insurance product to you and says, Hey, you know, you don't pay me anything. You know, you're just making an investment. You're just protecting your family with insurance. You, know, you just pay this fee uh, every month or you make this investment and then, you know, it, it you know, can go up or down or it, it, you know, maybe it's a guaranteed 3% a year or something like that. And what's going on behind the scenes is every one of those products they sell, they make a big commission. So for a, a mutual fund, it'd probably be about, uh, about five to 6% is the commission. And then for an insurance product, uh, it's usually a hundred percent of the first year's premiums and 50% of the second year's premiums. Oh, um, so, you know, imagine that guy that who book, really wants yeah. to have coffee with you. He yeah. Sell, yeah. You know, he wants to sell you a, a hundred dollar a month, uh, life insurance, whole life insurance product. Well, that sounds like something that you need. You know, life insurance, I just had a baby. Like, you know, that seems like something I should do. But then you, you realize if you think about it from the commission standpoint, so this person's making 1200 bucks in the first year and 600 bucks in the second year, approximately. And uh, so that's close to 2000 bucks. And what's going to happen is you're going to buy this product. And then years later, you're going to you know, realize it's probably not the best thing. And then you're going to stop paying on it. You just wasted a bunch of money. And, you know, so is that financial planner, fiduciary planner that charges, you know, 199 bucks a month, um, is that, are they kind of unaffordable? I mean, you know, maybe, maybe you can't afford them early on in your career, but, but if you can't afford that, then uh, go check out a book at your local public library, you know, get online yeah. on some of these uh, websites like bogleheads.org is one. Uh, MrMoneyMustache.com is a forum. Um, there's various like personal finance forums. Reddit has one that you can ask any question you want and get you know pretty smart people answering. Um, so if you can't afford for you know a planner, then go get good free advice. And if you you know want to think about how you be successful financially, um, typically the people that get the help and pay for good help are the ones that come out ahead long term. Um, you know, and that's just reality, like you're either the kind of person that is really on top of your finances and wants to manage everything yourself and you're going to, you know, do all the reading yourself and you're going to end up okay. Or you're the person that's humble enough and smart enough to know that, Hey, I'm, I know chiropractic, but I don't know these other things. So I'm, you know, I'm going to hire someone else to, to do that. So, um, yeah, no, I would just a mirror say for, image of every single other part of practice. I mean, if somebody needed to uh, learn a, bu a business aspect, you can ask the, the group, you can ask the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance group, and you'll probably get some decent advice. You'll get pushed in the right direction, maybe even refer to good book or whatever. But it, you all, we all know if you wanted really, really good advice, you need to hire a professional. Or if you wanted uh, expertise on marketing, uh, let's take uh, Blake Kalkstein and, and YouTube ads and how to maximize your YouTube effectiveness, you can kind of fudge around and learn about it a little bit on your own. But when the time comes, you got to pick up the phone and learn from an expert. Same with techniques, same with uh, everything else. So it's, it's the same with finances too, you know. Yeah, don't be completely naive or lost on the subject. Ask around, get some general advice, start learning something. But when it's time to hit the books like a professional, you've got you've to hire a professional to do the job for you. Yeah. And I would say, look for somebody who is specialized in, specialized in a very specific area and they don't promise the moon. Um, you know, if, if somebody is, you know, the ultimate marketing guru that's, you know, knows everything about chiropractic marketing, they're going to take your practice to a million a year in revenue. Like that's too good of a promise to be true. You know? Yeah. Right. Um, you take me from five figures to, yeah. I mean, so always have like a healthy dose of skepticism. Like one of the best ways that, you know, people make money is by selling stuff, telling other people how to make money. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, that's uh, the secret of chiropractic, by the way. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. There was a, there was a, a, a book uh, called, I forget what it was called. It was, it was supposed to be a response to the Flexner report, which was a big thing that changed the medical world where Abraham Flexner visited all the, the medical schools and then wrote this report for the Carnegie Foundation of what the, the medicine profession needed to do to be the most dominant provider of healthcare in the American healthcare system because they had competition from osteopaths and chiropractors and all that. So they followed those rules that Flexner's advice and medicine is what it is now. 
And then in response, chiropractors tried to have their own sort of reports. And the fellow who did his research and then wrote the report, he said, there's a big secret in chiropractic. And the secret is, and everybody's figured it out, uh, BJ Palmer and all these other guys figured it out, that you can make $5 treating a patient or you can make 500 teaching other people how to treat patients. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's, it's been the groundswell or the, the launching pad for um, a guru profession. <laughs> I mean, these days, because of the student loan issue, because these students graduate from school and they've got six months before they need to start writing checks to uh, Sally May or whatever they call themselves nowadays, uh, kids are graduating and then branding themselves as experts. You know, they're branding themselves as, uh, you know, rehab experts. They're branding themselves as the go-to guru. They're doing seminars. You know, kids who haven't even seen 100 patients are doing seminars for the rest of the profession on how to treat patients. You know, when it used to be the exact reverse, you spent your whole career learning this level of mastery, like a ninja or like a Jedi, you spent decades trying to get it right. And then you finally crack the code and you say, I think I've got something here. Let me go out and show this to the world. Um, it, it, the, the, the tables completely flip because there's so much pressure to come up with that money right away. Well, it's desperation and, You oh, know, absolutely. You know, and you can, you can see it. Like I can smell it because I've been around the block a couple times, but if I see a young guru, I know what that's all about. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know they haven't, they haven't figured anything out. Um, in my podcast with Stuart, Stuart McGill that I just did, uh, he's a PhD in spine biomechanics and we had the same conversation. It's like, uh, people need to get to that guru level, but they've missed the whole purpose of being in this profession or being in any healing profession, it was not just, uh, of course, it's not just to make money. I mean, that's very important. That's one reason. But there, there are healers in these professions, especially, like you said, uh, veterinary medicine and chiropractic. We get into these professions because we love either on the chiropractic side, taking care of people in a holistic manner. We love that. Or a veterinarian loves taking care of animals. You know, they love animals so much they decided to become a veterinarian. And you miss out on that whole process of, of becoming a master at your craft because the pressure to make the money in the, in the front has you put the whole master the craft thing on, on the back burner. And it's like, I need to do whatever it takes right now to put cash in the coffers. And if that means I got to sign up with some guru and do some unethical things, I'm going to have to keep my head down and I'm going to do it. If it means I have a PI practice in Florida, because that's where it always seems to happen in Florida. <laughs> and and Florida has this personal injury protection law that allows a certain amount of coverage for every person in a car accident. I'm going to burn through all that money because I need the money instead of treating people appropriately in the right way. And so, um, you know, it, it's almost like a double-edged sword, just like you've written in your article. Um, the, the chiropractic profession gets the short end of the stick on this student loan thing but they also haven't done themselves any favors. And then it comes back around that they've got to be even more unethical, which, which only stokes the bigotry fire even more, you know? Yeah. And, and the message is you don't have to do that. You don't have to. Yeah. That's the whole message. Yeah. Just suck it up and pull on, put on your big boy pants and do it the right way. And you'll, you'll feel good about yourself and you'll actually start to see some of the, you'll, you'll taste the seeds of success. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the answer would be for, for folks that have got and you know, here's a rule of thumb. If you owe more than two times your income and you're going to owe more than two times your income for your career, you know, and you want to include your spouse in that calculation, but uh, then you're going to go for a forgiveness plan. And by doing that, you know, do some of the things that we've outlined in this and you will be okay. Like if you spend, you know, most of what you make, you will not be okay. You know, yeah. um, it's amazing how simple it is. Like it's, it's literally like, what do you, where do you live? What kind of car do you drive? You know, do you go out to eat all the time and blow all your money on things? Or, you know, are you kind of a person that gets enjoyment out of, you know, cheap or free stuff? You know, do you ask, do you ask clients those questions? I do. I, yeah. So like for, in those terms are personal of how questions. We, that'll, that'll piss somebody off. Well, it does. And, and I'm happy to piss people off because <laughs> the, the goal is to fix the problem, not to just paper out paper over it. Right. Yeah, so, buddy. Um, there you go. Good. Yeah. I mean, so, so we'll, I'll, I mean, I'll, con- I'll confront somebody that I think has a spending problem and tell them and, you know, but I'm not going to just confront them, but I'm going to tell them like what to do specifically. Right. 
So, yeah. um, so, you know, in terms of like how we do our business, like if somebody says, you know, we're super anxious about student debt, I want to get a plan, then it's like a one-time flat fee for us. And then we give people a, a form and they fill it out. And then we ask a lot of these questions and it's really more for me to know what kind of spender or saver the person is more than anything. Uh, and so they'll put on there, you know, what, how much do they pay for rent or mortgage? What do they pay for their car? You know, what kind of uh, savings do they have in the bank or do they have credit card debt? Like these kind of questions. And no matter what the person answers, we can help that person, um, you know, because there's always things you can do. It's just, that's a good way to understand where somebody's coming from because a lot of times people are coming from a place that's, that's driven by what they see on TV and the advertising messages that get bombarded into them every day. And yeah. it's not their fault. It's just what happened. Right. So we try to reverse that and fix that problem, you know, heal, heal their mindset, so to speak. Um, and then just try to save people money by correcting a lot of these mistakes. Um, and, um, and yeah, so, so I, I just think that, you know, everybody should get a plan, whether or not you try to read the free stuff that's out there and figure it out, or, or you hire somebody like us, you know, just don't <laughs> put your head in the sand and pretend the problem isn't there. Just ignore it. Cause it just gets worse. It sounds like a very holistic approach. You said you were uh, married to a physician. Yeah. So my so my wife's a physician. That's how I got into this. Is she had a bunch of student debt, and we had the money conversation when we started dating more seriously. And you know, re she revealed a bunch of, of loans, and I kind of studied the the process because I used to be um, a bond trader for one of the big uh, investment firms out there, and and just realized it was complex and modeled everything and people were really interested in that. And so that's, I turned it into a full-time business because I do you, do you both sort of feel like you're doing the same thing, but on slightly different levels, like you're creating healing or health in people's lives, but in different ways. Do you, do you ever have that kind of conversation? Yeah. So like my background specifically, like I traded bonds for municipal bond funds, which is something that people that make really high incomes do right. to avoid taxes. And so yeah, I, woke, yeah. I woke up every day, uh, you know, it was interesting work, but I didn't feel like this passion for it because I was, you know, making rich people richer. But now, you know, I've seen tremendous things where, you know, we've helped people, um, you know, deal with like financially abusive relationships by accident sometimes. Like we've helped people, you know, get out of this hole that they're in. We've fixed people's student loan situations. And like, you know, we've saved our average client long-term, like based on the rules, right? right? Like I don't save this for somebody immediately. Um, but projecting savings of like 50,000 per client based off of correcting these mistakes that people make, um, you know, about 90% of the people, uh, you know, get saving something like that. And, and I'm, I love it because you're helping somebody who's young, who's having a family, who doesn't have a ton of money, um, who, you know, needs desperately needs a plan, but they probably can't afford a, you know, a financial planner, but then, you know, the, um, <laughs> the financial planner probably doesn't even understand their problem because most financial right. planners don't get student loans. So, uh, yeah. And so, like I said, it's like a, uh, a one-time flat fee and probably most of the people listening would, would actually work with, um, my, one of my associates, uh, because they handle like the smaller balance. Uh, <laughs> if you can call it smaller balance cases, like we, we break it up where like I handle like the, you know, three, four, five hundred, six hundred thousand dollar debt amounts. And then like some of the people that work with me handle the smaller balances. Um, oh, but, uh, but yeah, so it's, but, I, but I love it. I, I love, I, I get love it though. It. I mean, it's all, it's all money. It's a game, but you just have to know how to play the game appropriately. So it doesn't end up affecting your mental and personal physical health. Yeah. Or yeah. Your marriage or any of those other things, you know? And most people like, if you think about like, like chess, you know, you, if you think about like the game of chess, like if people are playing that game and that game student loans and people are basically just throwing their queen right away immediately. Like that's how people <laughs> are playing the game right now, right? Or monopoly. They're, you know, putting, I don't know, putting all the houses on green or like, I don't know, some more, more board game uh, analogies, but like, you know, most people are playing the game very poorly just because they don't understand the rules. Yeah. Um, I think all this stuff is really, really, really powerful information um student loan wise you, you know what is interesting about this conversation is we haven't done that thing that people do when it comes to student loans we haven't blamed anybody <laughs> you know there's plenty of blame to throw around 
there's plenty of problems with this system, but none of this, I mean, we kind of touched on it a little bit, but not in a way to be like, man, this is messed up. This isn't fair. We're getting screwed. Um, You know, it is what it is. We also want to play the other side of the card where I see this on social media all the time where there's a student loan discussion or a student loan forbearance discussion. There'll be one troll in the comments section that's like, you took the loans out. Why don't you shut up and just pay for them? And you know that guy works at Walmart. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, you kind of got to be in the middle. Yes, yes, these things are not set up fair or, or as equitable as you might like it to be. But yes, also, you should have done your due diligence, even if you were a, a young adult at the time, to understand what you were getting yourself into. Um, if you are passionate enough about this career or whatever career you've chosen, uh, hopefully you were passionate enough to choose this career because you wanted to help people and you wanted to win at this game and you wanted to be the best you can be. Part of that aspect is being the best you can be at it financially um, and, and being responsible there. And then you've got to do some introspection of like, why did you want to be in this profession? Was it, was it for the BMW? Because there are easier ways to get a BMW than being a chiropractor. Uh, Yeah. It sounds like to me, being an insurance salesman is the way to go. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're, you know, if you're a backslapper, yeah. If you're a good backslapper, (laughs) you don't understand math, you can make a ton of money. (laughs) That book is sellable, right? There's like a, the, uh, the capitalized earnings on selling that, that book, that asset sheet sounds pretty fun. Yeah. I mean, there's not again, a lot of like capitalized that. earnings in a chiropractic practice. There's not a lot of assets either. Like the assets are the tables and the machines. It's not a lot of money. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, the, <laughs> the thing, I mean, yeah, that's it, it. And the one thing I would say too, is if somebody's listening, it's really in despair about being in the chiropractic profession. What, what I think is important to realize is that you get to choose to be in this profession, which yeah. is empowering. So if you and are really- What's even more awesome about chiropractic is not only do you get to choose to be in this profession, but once you're in it, you get to choose to do almost anything you want with it. Yeah, you yeah. Choose your own adventure. You could be, you can do nutrition, sports, children. I mean, it's so, it's part of the problem, but it's also part of the blessing is you can be and do whatever you want once you're in here. Yeah, and, so. and, and I had- I've had clients, chiropractic clients that are no longer chiropractors, um, you know, and, and that's not the answer for obviously most chiropractors, but for some people, they decided, you know what, I want to go back to school and take out another hundred thousand of debt and become a nurse, or I want to go back and, you know, become a, uh, you know, an MD, or I want to go back and go get a job and learn how to program or something like the The point is, is that because of these, you know, income driven, you know, payments that exist, you can pay a percentage of your income no matter how high your debt is and you'll always have that flexibility and you will always be able to maximize the rules to enable you to do what you want to do in life. So it's, it's really important. Like there's a lot of mental health concerns around like having huge debt and feeling trapped and feeling like you don't have options in your life based off of like this decision that you made, you know, at 22, you know? Um, But, but that's not the case. So if you're going to be in chiropractic, know that that's your choice and that you can, you, you can make a really good situation out of it. But if you don't want to be in it, you can also pivot and do something different. So it's, that's, you know, empowering for everybody because you can, you know, you're, you get to choose your profession every day. Um, one more question that I can think of off the top of my head. Are you starting to see yet uh, maybe with some older professionals that not only do they have their own student loan debt, but they're also starting to accrue debt for their children as well? Oh yeah. Have you um, seen that yet? Yeah, there's well, there's a really big problem with uh, the way parents help with their kids' debt, and the the undergrad program is totally different from the graduate program in terms of the financing. So they put hard caps on what you can borrow for undergrad, which has kept the balances for uh, student loans for undergrad kind of relatively low. But they allow parents to take on all these parent plus loans, so parents are taking out all this debt for their kids to go to these private colleges and they don't really understand that the parent plus loans don't qualify for any of these sweetheart benefits that the other programs do. So sometimes I see situations where people have, you know, parent plus loans for the kids and they've got their own student loans and they're in deep trouble. And, you know, I had one uh, dad that I had to talk off a cliff the other day because he had 300,000 of loans for his kids. And, uh, <laughs> no, I wish that was a joke. That was probably really, you probably had to talk him off of a physical. No, he was like, you know, a lot of men don't hey, like hate the idea of being emotionally vulnerable or 
crying or anything, but he was on yeah. the verge of tears just because he said he felt like a loser because he wasn't able to help his kids. Uh, you know, and all he had done is put himself in such a deep hole that he can't get out of it. And, uh, and, and the kids, you know, you know, one of them, you know, really wanted to take on the debt from his dad. And then the other one didn't really have, you know, much of a financial mind, right. And didn't really, you know, think about finances, but, you know, we got on board when we discussed what, it, what it meant. Um, but yeah, I see that. So I, I guess the, the thing you have to be real careful of is if you're going to go to chiropractic or you have chiropractic loans, just make sure that you don't dump off half of them onto a family member uh, that's willing to take out some mortgage debt uh, because that's not the right way to handle this. Like in terms of like that Dave Ramsey mindset to, to debt, that yeah. really works great for consumer debt and credit cards and car loans and things like that. And it works yeah. great for student loans that might be under 50,000. But once you get above that, the rules are just too complex to have any kind of like slap your knee, you know, kind of. All shucks. Yeah. Yeah. Rules. So, so just don't put your loans onto your parents. If you're, if you're a chiropractor, uh, you know, because you think you're going to put some of them on them and pay off yours and you're going to pay your parents off, like have a plan. Like don't, don't jump into this, uh, you know, and sign up for, I've seen this happen. Amazing. Like, it's just amazing. Yeah, like, no, totally. Do a mortgage like for a hundred thousand dollars without even thinking about it. It's like, pie in the sky stuff. It's the, it's the unicorn thought process that, Oh, I'll be fine. And everything's going to work out and I'll pay this off. And it's just like, there's no comprehension of how much money that is. Yeah, no, but, uh, and but you don't yeah, understand so. that banks are, banks are in the, they're not just in the game of getting this interest, which is a nice paycheck for them. They're in the business of taking your shit <laughs> and they, they want to set it up where it's equitable, but they're kind of really hoping you kind of lose so that they can take your shit. So don't, well, let them, don't let them take your parents stuff. Yeah. I mean the, the bank is just going to look and see if, you can, they can make the loan, right? They're just going right. to see like, Oh, do they have equity? Like, do they have an income? Like, do we think we'll get paid back? And if, if those answers are yes, they'll make the loan. It, they're not going to care if it's in your best interest or not. Right. 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 There's no moral checkpoint. There's no moral box to check off there. Yeah. So there's a lot of um, other things to check off, but not a moral box. <laughs> and if you've got an asset that makes it even easier for them to check off the rest of the lists. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, if your listeners uh, want to ask questions, like I'm, I'm happy to do that. So like they can hit me up, uh, I guess by email. Um, yeah, it's, do the whole thing. Tell, tell everyone how to find you, um, the best way to contact you, um, encourage them to contact you. And then you've got a webinar coming up. So be sure to drop the info on that too. Yeah. So my, my email is just my name, Travis, Travis at studentloanplanner.com, my website. So uh, send me an email, tell me what you're dealing with. Um, I'll tell you when or not I think we can help and give you all the details. Um, and you know, if, it, if we think that you would be a good candidate to get a plan from us or not. And then for, uh, for everybody, we're doing a free chiropractic uh, student loan webinar based off the suggestions of some of the clients we've worked with. And that's coming up uh, Tuesday, April the 10th. Uh, and you can sign up for that going to studentloanplanner.com slash Cairo webinar. And we're going to, I think, give that link to, to Bobby to put up somewhere um, yep. as well. So if you can join us for that, that'd be great. We're going to talk about the, the five mistakes that chiropractors make with their student loans that cost them thousands of dollars. So it's very uh, applicable if you've got big student debt. But, uh, let's, but yeah. uh, let's, let's make a game out of it. Um, so the, the FTCA has 5,000 plus members. This podcast has over 6,000 subscribers. Um, I'm going to put out all that information on the webinar. My, my thinking, my thought process here is there's, there's 5,000 members, there's 6,000 subscribers. I would say if I was a betting man, 90% of people need your information or at least need to contact you to see if you can help them. At least 90% of, peop of people in this group, this population. Um, but it's such an emotional hot button for people because you got to, they've got to like pick up the phone and then they've got to sort of one be drudged or scrutinized by somebody who could be telling them they're doing it all wrong. And they've got to, they've got to cross this emotional bridge of maybe even admitting they've been doing it wrong or they need help. And sometimes admitting that you need help is a very hard thing to do. That's so here's the game. I'll, I'll give all the links and all the information for the webinar and all that. If there's a way that you can let me know who sort of signed on, or uh, it, we'll find a way to sort of figure this all out. 
But if people can give you a call or register for the webinar and you let me know who did and who didn't, I'll give them something awesome. We'll have, awesome. A, we'll have a little drawing. Um, cause I think everybody can sort of benefit from the call. I think I'll give you a call cause I've got this little last bit I'd like to plan out to finish this debt off. And, um, I think a lot of these things in chiropractic, you can be tremendously successful in this profession if you're able to get past your fears just a little bit and be bold. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, dude, you guys, you came to me. Yeah. You yeah. So you want to talk and, um, I said, student loans, let's do it. And like I said, I didn't even know who you are. You could have been a homeless guy down the street that, that said, if I talk student loans, you give me a hamburger, you know, who knows, but it's, you're, uh, you're completely legit. You gave some fantastic advice. Um, I wouldn't hesitate for a second to refer people to you. So, um, maybe we do this again sometime too. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to. And, and the, the Cairo webinar, we limit it to like a hundred people and we've yeah, well, got, um, you know, we, we do that just because we want people to be able to ask questions and all that. So if we fill up, then we'll do another one. Yeah. Um, we'll try so, to fill it up for you. Yeah. So that'd, that'd be great. But, um, well, yeah, thanks. Thanks Bobby. And, and folks just, uh, just crush your, crush your student debt in a, an intelligent way. Think positive about your life. Like realize that the, the number one point of success is, is, you know, looking at you in the mirror, that's, what's going to determine, you know, your life and not, you know, being taken advantage of or being ripped off or something like that. So, um, so thanks. Thanks for having me on Bobby. Yep. Travis. Absolutely. Take care of yourself and thanks for coming on. I appreciate it.